Well, hello to you, and welcome to the Humboldt Last Week podcast. My name is Miles Cochran. The Humboldt Last Week podcast features a summary of news and events from Humboldt County, California, delivered in a sort of laid-back, hopefully accessible way. This is just a hobby for me, but I do have experience as a journalist and radio host in this county. I love Humboldt, I think it's beautiful, and this is all about you. A quick rundown of last week's happenings on your time. Humboldt Last Week is available in a few places online, including iTunes and SoundCloud, and please do give it a click on Facebook if you're into that kind of thing. So I am going to warn you, the language of my main coverage this week is going to be graphic. So please listen at your discretion. I'm going to be looking at this recent alleged attempted rape of a child in Arcata. A hero mom stepped up and likely prevented something awful. This hero mom anonymously spoke with Kevin Hoover, editor-at-large of the Mad River Union, and I'm going to be talking to him about that. So what else? Following up on my coverage last week, there's more momentum leaning toward Humboldt voting no and going against the majority of California on the legalization of recreational marijuana. Some local bigwig police officers put out a letter saying they think this is a bad idea. They believe recreational marijuana would hurt kids, cause collisions, raise crime, and damage health. Top commenters at LasCoastOutpost.com disagree. Krusty wrote, the war on weed is welfare for cops. Of course they want it to stay illegal. Michael wrote, the part about children is fear-mongering. The bill specifically outlaws any pot edibles that resemble kids' candy. And Bub wrote, the elephant in the room is that anybody in Humboldt County that wants to smoke pot already does. The fact that it's illegal doesn't stop anyone from smoking it. Now, the last poll I checked cited by NBC News said that 60% of California supports recreational legalization. My alma mater, Humboldt State University, made national news. You heard about this, right? It was because of toilet paper. Yeah, what were they thinking here? Humboldt State University, P? Humroll State, where students get their diploma? (laughs) Somebody take this mic away from me. I've got one more, though. Some students are there in a full-ride academic scholarship. So the New York Daily News wrote, Their budget has been wiped out. Some students no longer have access to toilet paper in their on-campus housing buildings. Now this impacted 1,200 students living in four buildings. The school says this was a cost and time-saving move. Put it in the handbook. They want to stop having staff invade space in apartment-style housing. Students say they pay thousands to live on campus, and that should cover TP. Uh, weather happened. There were some storms. It rained. It was windy. Whew. That was some intensive storm coverage. I should be a meteorologist. Also, we should probably go to jury duty if we're called. Courthouse says they may send cops to come and get us if we don't show up. Uh, Switching gears, this one's sad. You may have heard that they may close three nursing homes in Eureka. Linda Stansberry over at the North Coast Journal took a super deep look at this. The closures could mean a loss of 258 total beds and a mass exodus of people out of the county. What really puts it into perspective is what she wrote right here. These folks will, quote, seek care away from their families and support networks to die in places where they have never lived. Terrible, right? It's a bleak picture. Maybe there isn't enough staff at these places. Maybe patients are being ignored and aren't being properly taken care of. And maybe these announced closures were part of a strategy to negotiate for more cash. There's talk that this company, Rockport, made millions in profits between 2011 and 2015, but now there's a sudden change and somehow they're losing millions of dollars here, and they say weed is to blame. Evil weed. But people have not been able to confirm that this company is actually losing the amount that they say they are. Are they possibly being selective with numbers to get higher reimbursements? That's the question the journal asks. 
And it doesn't look like those reimbursement rates are going to be raised. People are protesting over these closures. It's a mess. Uh, so the guy who owns this company, Rockport, and its parent company, Brias, is Shlomo Reeknitz. And according to HubMesh, his net worth is $2.4 billion. Media has noted him as a philanthropist. So does his, quote, philanthropist really want to damage the lives of these humble people over what to him would be a drop in the bucket? That's the question. And more bad news, the Times Standard reported on last weekend's violence, bringing the total number of homicide investigations in the county this year to 19. The most open since at least 1986. Um, there was a father-son murder-suicide in Fortuna. Son was 50, dad was 81. And a 23-year-old man was stabbed in Weot. <sighs> News Channel 3 did a story on Eureka's panhandling ordinance six months in. Panhandling in certain areas like intersections, medians, and ATMs became a misdemeanor. The police say the average person driving through town is seeing less people asking for money, and viewers agreed. Uh, their poll noted that over two-thirds of people noticed less panhandlers in Eureka. All right. Okay, it's now time for the main focus this week. Again, I want to warn you that what you're about to hear is graphic, so please listen at your discretion. Have you heard about that hero mom who saved a 12-year-old girl from an alleged sexual assault last month in Arcata? This woman is a badass. This girl was walking to school and the alleged attacker was 28-year-old Dylan Wilson, some bearded weirdo with a history of sexual deviance issues. So what's been said is this mom stepped in and stopped the attack. Now, you know the drill. The suspect is innocent until proven guilty, but damn, some really crazy stuff on his record. Burglary, threatening to murder kids. It's not good. The hero mom anonymously told her story to the Mad River Union, and here's what she said happened. She was walking along in a group, basically noticed this guy maybe shooting up drugs with a syringe on the switchback path, and she felt like he was acting strange. He greeted her in a really creepy way, and then they got to the school, and they found out the cops in Arcata had already been called on this guy. But she had a gut feeling that she needed to head back, make sure that he wasn't causing trouble. And you know what's next? This guy was definitely causing trouble. By this mom's account, the guy knocked this 12-year-old girl down, got on top of her. His pants were down. He pulled her pants down, and he was putting his hand on his penis to insert himself. So the mom goes, get the fuck off, right? And the dude just keeps touching himself like a sicko. So she grabbed him by the hoodie, ripped him off, probably choked him a little bit, tried to punch her, and he missed, and he ran off. People say he was running off, trying to pull his pants up, and he fell down a couple of times. Now it's been reported that this 12-year-old girl is sleeping with a baseball bat. It's heartbreaking. And the suspect, again, 28-year-old Dylan Wilson, is back in court on the 17th. The Arcata Police Department said the amount of time it took between the first call and arresting the guy was 19 minutes. They had four patrol officers on duty that morning covering over 60 miles of streets, all at the same time dealing with a man screaming in a park and a suicidal man. So they need more resources. And you know exactly where all the attention on this is heading. People want safer streets, neighborhood watches, improved paths, faster response times from law enforcement. There was a well-attended meeting focusing on all this in Arcata back on the 13th. The Mad River Union reported over 90 people there partaking in some serious civic engagement. So to talk all this over, I reached out to Kevin Hoover, editor-at-large of the Mad River Union, and this is our conversation. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time and for chatting with me about this. Oh, sure, sure. Kevin, you write so incredibly well, and your oh. coverage of this has been... 
terrifying and compelling. You're too kind. Thank you. It's a terrifying story, but I guess the silver lining is that, you know, a possible rape was prevented. Yes, it was. It was definitely prevented. Um, I didn't even, the, some of the stuff that the hero mom, as we're calling her, Jane, told me was too graphic even for that story. <laughs> and the story as you read it is disturbing enough, but I had to leave stuff out that I, I just couldn't bring myself to pay a printer to reproduce. But, you know, it, basically, yeah, the rape of a child is what was prevented. It was graphic. You know, this hero mom, she reminded us that we should kind of always step up and help each other out. <laughs> if we can absolutely i mean if you see something say something and uh you know i you, what you don't want to do is any kind of vigilante action on the other hand uh you can involve yourself in, in a way that'll stave off some kind of a horrible incident like this i think we're all morally compelled to do so yeah and it depends on the person right as to like what you could possibly do in a situation Right. Well, she did exactly the right thing, which is, uh, you know, call the authorities and stand by, you know, out of sight and out of danger, but uh, keep an eye on things. And if some sort of intervention is required as a last ditch or interim measure, she did it, you know, and uh, it worked out well in this case. You know, it could have gone really bad. I mean, he could have had a knife and come up slashing or I, you just don't know. Uh, but uh, fortunately, in this case, uh, yeah, it, it did work out OK, although the little girl is obviously going to have that in her mind forever. Yeah. And, you know, I read in your article that, you know, it's possible she's sleeping with a baseball bat now. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that Chief Chapman, um, Tom Chapman, Arcata Police Chief, told me, uh, you know, he covered, uh, it was his case. I, I brought it up to him. We both remembered cause he, it was his case. I believe it was an approximately might've been around 2000, uh, not far from there, uh, actually, um, at this, uh, at a residence near Arcata high school, uh, a treacherous Cretan broke into a little girl's room and raped her. And, uh, that was Tom's case. And, you know, that's just something that will, it's a life changing thing, obviously, uh, so uh, ho hopefully the damage was limited in this case. On your coverage side of things, I know that this hero mom wanted to remain anonymous. Um, but whenever the yeah. news first broke on this story, you know, she really stood out as somebody that you wanted to hear more from. So, you know, I'm glad the Mad River Union did that. What sort of impression did you get from hero mom after you spoke with her? Oh, she's a tough lady. You know, she would be like uh, every mom, I guess you'd call her, or any mom, mother who uh, senses danger to a child, uh, you know, at their school. Or I, I would hope hope any of us uh, who would see, uh, you know, a child in some kind of jeopardy or, you know, sense a situation where children could come into danger. You would obviously do what you could to, to stop that without endangering yourself. Uh, and uh, But no, I, I wouldn't want to cross this, uh, this woman. I did get to meet her. Uh, the other night um, she was at the D street neighborhood center, the Westwood village neighborhood meeting mm -hmm. and she introduced herself and uh, yeah, she was a very nice person, but definitely not, not anybody to mess with. I think uh, the, the power of a pissed off mom is uh, quite formidable. Yeah. You know, she's intuitive, you know, and she ripped this guy off of this girl. He punched at her and she, and he missed, you know, so she really put herself in harm's way here and did something great. 
Yeah, that's her account. Um, we, we never really know. Um, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough to know that, you know, you just really don't believe anything you're told. I mean, it might be true, but you can't embrace it as fact. But, you know, when I did hear that this happened, um, I think, uh, you know, based on uh, what the police might tell us or school people, the PTO people, you know, you kind of fill it in with your own assumptions. So that was why I, I really was fortunate to go right to the source and talk to the uh, uh, talk to the mother. I mean, ideally, we would actually talk to the the child as well. Although, certainly, we don't want to re-traumatize her over this thing, right? And yeah, she would need parental approval to speak and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, she she needs to be protected in all ways. I, I think we got you know the es- essence of the story out. And you had mentioned it's important to understand the facts of this thing. And I'm going to kind of shift over to the law enforcement side of this. The Arcata Police Department said the amount of time it took between the first call. And then the arrest of the suspect was what, 19 minutes? No, I think 13 minutes was the, uh, was 13 minutes and changed some extra seconds there, but was the, uh, response time. Yeah. Was it like you know, 13 minutes the thing to about respond the and then poli- 19 minutes to arrest? I, I believe was the number, right? Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah, sure. I was thinking to, uh, to response to being at the scene, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Was that fast enough? 13 minutes? Of course not. I mean, we'd like it to be instantaneous. This is, you know, in the real world, uh, there's four cops on duty nominally at any given time, apart from, you know, high impact times like Saturday night or whatever. But um, and they've got to cover. I think I put some stats in the story, you know, the entirety of Arcata. And there's all this stuff going on. It seems to me I'd have to really do a statistical survey or something. There's a lot of screaming going on lately. It's been a continuing theme in the police log. I mean, I know about yelling, but this seems to be recently we've uh, hit some sort of uh, statistical spike. So, of course, they were dealing with a guy screaming in Redwood Park and another individual threatening suicide not far away, actually just across the street from Westwood at uh, at the uh, 2575 Alliance Road, those red apartments. But they were, in fact, deployed and dealing with those things. And so from a kind of a standing start, they had to get to this scene, you know, not knowing quite what they were dealing with. It was reported as a, a guy with a needle on a path. That's not exactly drop everything kind of situation uh, although you know now what we know is that he would had placed himself to intercept children on this path which of course raises it to defcon one or whatever and you've got somebody that's you know uh, possibly suicidal you've got a guy who's screaming which seems to be the uh, societal and political climate maybe today but yeah. <laughs> what you had mentioned is that these four patrol officers are covering 60 miles of streets it would be nice to have more resources for the police there well, the key here and what came out, of course, during the neighborhood meeting the other night is you've got to have citizen involvement. I mean, this is the thing that comes up over and over when we talk about plaza problems or whatever. It's you've got to mainstream the place. You've got to have, you know, just regular folks out there. Uh, and that tends to sort of discourage uh, negative uh Activity. A lot of people showed up at this meeting. Sometimes terrible things like this happen. People get fired up for a short time and then it kind of fades away. But, you know, this meeting, you mentioned over 90 people there. Do you feel like the community response to this incident is going to bring on actual change? 
It will in that we now have more awareness. And that's the whole reason I got into the news business is to communicate, you know, information and resources to people who need it. I've always liked doing that. Even when I was a child, this was my compulsion. If I knew two people who I thought would really get along, I wanted to introduce them to each other and, you know, to sort of optimize things. Um, but yes, it will have an effect and it will be short term. I mean, statistically, we're going to have the, the bell curve, you know, where everybody's fired up mm-hmm. initially and then it kind of declines off. But I think that there will be some new, uh, newly energized folks. Statistically, there will be, you know, that small percentage of the populace that remains engaged. And the key to all these things is persistence. Uh, it's one thing to go to a meeting and yell at the, you know, yell at the city officials, which a few people did. This is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. But one, th- one thing that's not going to solve this or basically any other situation is yelling at the government and telling the government to solve it. That's just not how it works. They have a role to play. You don't want the government everywhere on every street corner, I'm sure, uh, you know, waiting for something to happen or to monitor people's behavior. What you need and what's emerging from this and what I think the thrust of their petition that they had the other night was a community police partnership. So that would be a combination of, uh, you know, obviously the police department. You've got neighborhood watches. There's two in that area and they're going to be. Uh, newly kind of activated. Um, then you're going to have uh, parent patrols. You're going to have parents that walk around. Um, I'm looking at my notes or their notes. They did the whiteboard thing where they, everybody throws out ideas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, when the police aren't doing something else, they'll sit and uh, have a police car there when the kids get out of school, that sort of thing. The neighborhood watch people might have, a, you know, sort of a on-call person or something like that. And uh, they also want to do um, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, public works improvements to the area um, to make uh, the amenities like Cahill Park and other uh, the paths locally and stuff uh, more um, inviting so that folks are more interested in spending time out outside in their neighborhood rather than cocooned with Facebook and Netflix and uh, Xbox or whatever. Well, it's incredible. Over 90 people showed up. And in your words, that is some serious civic engagement. That's awesome. I can't uh, emphasize enough the importance of uh, neighborhoods and communities empowering them themselves by simply getting to know each other. Coverage of that goes a long way. Kevin, you've been covering Arcata for a long time now uh, with the Arcata Eye and now with the Mad River Union. You've got decades of Arcata coverage and you're just mentioning just many things you understand about the neighborhoods there. Do you think the heroic mentality this mom displayed in this incident that we were talking about is prevalent in the community there? When I've talked to people who do good things like this or intervene and it's successful, they always say, I am not a hero. I don't put that on me. Don't give me the H word. They all say this. Right. Uh, they say, I'm just a person who did the right thing. And you would probably do the right thing, too. Um, so I think that all of this, uh, quote unquote, if you want to call it heroism, but I, I think uh, the compulsion to, you know, I, I think people are basically they, they all we all want the same things. It's uh, how we get there that we fight about. Uh, but in a case like this, you know, it, it's quite obvious what needed to be done. And I, I think that um, a lot of us, this will increase awareness. So just about anybody now who saw that sort of situation occurring would probably, she modeled some behavior that we can all follow. So yeah, there's that. Um, a lot of us, we do see things and we just keep going. So maybe this will, uh, you know, help us uh, give us an example of a, a productive way to, you know, intervene without jeopardizing ourselves. Kevin, thank you so much for your comments on this. And uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Um, 
Yes, uh, look both ways before you cross the street. No, uh, I was going to say, know that you're, well, well, let me just say this one thing. So somebody yesterday who attended the meeting said they were very disappointed by what occurred and they called for a civil revolution. Um, uh, My recommendation would be, before we have a revolution, why don't we use the democratic processes that we have at hand? The city of Arcata and most other local cities have all kinds of ways you can volunteer and participate. What saddens me is when I go to public meetings, like Economic Development Committee, I mean, these are important meetings. Uh, they're pivotal. They're key. And I was at a Parks and Rec Committee meeting the other night where they're redefining the Arcata Ballpark, and nobody from the public is there. And uh, it saddens me. So you have these public meetings where there's all kinds of opportunities for civic engagement, and nobody shows up, but they call for a revolution. That doesn't compute for me. Right. Uh, you know, the key, Miles, it's uh, participation and persistence participation and persistence. Those are the keys. That's how you improve your community and your your quality of life and that of your family and friends. Yeah, it's so easy to be angry, but it's even harder to logically find solutions. Yeah, sublimate, baby. Channel that into something productive. Dang right. Hey, thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, Miles. Last week.